0: So I think the thing that this movie did the most for me, like the, the biggest impact that it's had in my life personally, is that it opened my heart to the dire straits. The who? The dire straits.
1: Was that a band?
0: Yes, the band that plays the song in the intro. I used to ac- absolutely hate that song.
1: I don't even know what song is in the intro.
0: <laughs> I want my MTV. That one.
1: Well, you know what was the most uh, impactful in my life? What? What? Learn the difference between Oxfords and Brogues.
0: It's mm. never well, I hope you make a better pick than last time, Lancelot. Wow. With Galahad. <laughs> Whatever, whatever your name is, Colin Firth. Firth.
1: I can't... I don't have... These are not...
0: I want to have a Michael Caine, but I don't think I do no. have a Michael Caine. I think I may have a Terran Edgerton... No. No, that's not a Terran no. Edgerton.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Perhaps I may have a Colin Firth. Sure. Well, I think I do have a Mark Strong in this movie. In this particular movie, because he's got that very subtle Scottish brogue. I, I, I don't know. No. I have... We can, We can just agree that I... None of the people in this movie I have, right? No. I don't have any of them. Sorry. Oh, no. I'm sad now. I'll never be a Kingsman. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is... Home Viewing. A podcast where we watch every movie in our library from A to... Z. No, it's a British movie this week, baby.
1: From A to Z.
0: Exactly. A to Z, alphabetical order. And this week, we're in our second K. Oh. Yes.
1: We probably shouldn't count our Ks. Let's let's not count yeah. the Ks all in a yeah. row.
0: But regardless, we're in the second one. Wait, do
1: we have three of them?
0: We have more than three. Oh, thank God. No, we have at least the King's Speech and one more. So There's at least one more after the King's Speech, I'm pretty sure. We will not have 3K episodes in a row. I won't let it happen. We'll do a bonus episode God. if we freaking have to. Uh, anyway, this week we watched Kingsman, colon, The Secret Service. So when this movie came out, um, it was 2014.
1: Year 2014.
0: And we saw it in theaters. We did? We did. I think it was Us. One? Uh It was Midtown Arts. Hmm. And I'm pretty sure it was Us and Tom. Really? Yeah. Are you sure
1: that was not the second one?
0: No, the second one we saw at North Decad with a different group of friends. Oh. Yeah. And all of us were like, what the fuck did we just watch? <laughs> this is a case of the first one being far better than the sequel. All too common. Mm-hmm. I, um, I think this was one that I th- I don't remember if I bought it immediately when it came out or if I got it as a Christmas present. But it was one of those that we knew I needed to own, for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I think it had a lot of rewatch value, because I think we saw I think we saw it in North decab, but then I also think we saw it again in Augusta. I, I think so. Yeah. I think we took my dad and sister to see it in Augusta, and they enjoyed it a lot.
1: Remember movies?
0: I miss the movie theater Driving is so not much. the same.
1: We haven't attempted it, but it's still not the same.
0: Exactly. I mean, part, partially because I'm like, I'm driving a hybrid. I don't know how well that's going to go. You <laughs> know? <laughs> this was a really great theater movie because going in, I don't think we knew that much other than, oh, it's a fun action movie with Colin Firth in it. You know? Yeah. Like It looked like it It looked like it was a tribute to like, older spy movies, which it absolutely was. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's its own thing. And I think... Sometimes that's the best theater experience you can have, is going in not really knowing quite what to expect from the movie. You know? Yeah. It's like, this is based on a Mark Millar comic. I think I... Ooh. I think that's his name. Malarkey comic? Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's a Scot, too, actually. Of course. Um, <laughs> he, he writes a lot of comics that then get adapted into movies or standalone movies or TV shows or something Gosh, like that. Gosh,
1: I feel like 80% of movies now are just comics. That everyone was like, I'm going to turn to a movie.
0: I mean, it makes sense. Comics are written in a very similar visual style to movies. Yeah,
1: you already have all the movies. storyboarding yeah, you done. Have
0: script and storyboard. That's how you write a comic. And that's it. But, I so it, they're very easy to adapt. Um, or sometimes they are. I don't want to talk about Zack Snyder's Watchmen. But, no. I'm just not going to talk, talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to. This is a good case of comic book adaptation. I haven't even read the comic book, but from what I understand, I don't super need to, you know? Yeah. Because it's able to get those kind of, like, larger-than-life aspects of you know, the comic, of the comic You know, now that you say
1: it. it, the whole, like, layer of, um, layer but like, the, um, the dress shop. Yeah. The tailor shop with the guns and all that, that's very, very comic
0: book. But it's also very James Bond. Very, yeah. Very, like, sixties and seventies spy movie. Yeah. Which I which is absolutely what they were going for. I have
1: to say I think I understood and enjoyed it more now than even back then. Really? Well back then you had the value of it being new.
0: Yeah. So I've already
1: seen this quite a few times, but now I'm pecking up more on like the spy.
0: We've seen this at least like three or four times. Yeah. At least.
1: But since then we've watched like more of like a different spy movies. Yeah, we watched like
0: James Bond. I've made you watch a Jason mm-hmm. Bourne movie. I'm pretty sure. Um,
1: Even Oceans,
0: like the Ocean. This absolutely cribs from them. I think it cribs crimps from that like Steven Soderbergh like surveillance mm-hmm. kind of movie, or like Haywire. We just watched that too. Yeah. You know? It's mm, it's a fun one though. Uh, so this is oh my god, I forgot his name. T- I, Matt over- Vaughn. Matt Vaughn, I want to say. Who? I want to say Matt Vaughn.
1: Are you going for a director? Or...
0: Director.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I didn't look that up.
0: Well, he is known for directing another arguably pretty great spy movie, X-Men First Class. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is James Bond as fuck, and you know it. Uh... The submarine rising so that she could get the ice for his cocktail. You see the exact same kind of visual language in this one. Oh, that's not his name. Oh, no. What is it? Oh, no.
1: How do you not know?
0: Vaughn. Google. Matt Vaughn. Oh, it is Matt Vaughn. It's just spelled different than the way I spelled it.
1: (laughs) Do you spell things when you say them in your head?
0: Well, it's spelled without an A. It's spelled V-A-U-G-H-N, not V-A-U-G-H-A-N. So it's an easy mistake to make. Vaughn? That's how people typically spell Uh -uh. it. Other movies he directed were Layer Cake, which we haven't watched. Stardust, which we've both seen, I'm sure. He directed Kick-Ass. He did Stardust? Yeah, he did Stardust. Hmm. Charlie Cox? Interesting. Mia Wasikowska?
1: No, I've seen it. I'm just saying that's really weird.
0: Mark Strong was in that one, too. The guy who plays Mervyn. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he also did Kick-Ass, another fun comic book adaptation. And obviously X-Men First Class. So I think the movie tries to both be a sillier and more serious take on those 1960s spy, spy flicks if that makes any sense. Yeah. Cuz it has the you know the ridiculous like British electronic music chase that that's pretty fun. It does this it does this thing in the fight scenes that I think is the most visually challenging and yet interesting thing that I've seen in a movie like this in that and that makes it read a little more like a comic book. It drops it drops frames. Like, I feel like a lot of people really like slow motion fight scenes. Yeah? Yeah, I f- or, or like using slow motion to emphasize the action of a fight scene. And that uses this sometimes, but instead, Vaughn, I think he really like shows how frenetic the fight scenes can be by essentially doing fast motion. It's like, it's it's almost like every third or fourth frame is missing. So like, in the bar scene specifically, Colin Firth looks like really jerky in a way. But so do the guys that he's fighting.
1: I think that makes it... That definitely lends more to the comic book kind of fighting. Yeah. and But also it makes you feel more realistic. Because when you're in a fight, nothing isn't slowed down. It's like high octane, like... I need to think of my next move.
0: It's like the opposite of what Guy Ritchie is doing in the Sherlock Holmes <laughs> movies, you know? Is
1: it? Oh, he does a lot of sm- slow-mo yeah, he stuff. He does the
0: slow-mo stuff where uh, he has Robert Downey Jr. like analyze every outcome. And then he'll have it just happen in like a few quick shots. Like, yeah. A few frames. Like He just knocks the guy out. But this one, rather, we're seeing that and then having to put it together afterwards what's happening. Which I think is really effective in the Freebird scene because you have to watch <laughs> Colin Firth try to figure out what the fuck he just Gosh. did. The plot to this is Buckwild. The cast is Buckwild. Shall we go from the top?
1: Sure, Eggsy. I guess is top. No, no,
0: no, no, no. no. Yeah. The very top. We got Colin Firth, oh, obviously. <laughs> then we have the guy who pl- who was in uh, the talented Mister Ripley is the gay guy that he that they, that Matt Damon murders on the boat. And also what? in Pirates of the Caribbean is Commodore no, Norrington. No, Matt
1: Damon murders Jude Law on the boat. No,
0: Matt. Oh, sorry. There are two different boats. Boat murders. I forgot. Oh. The murder at the end of the movie, maybe. Oh. The one who's actually gay. Gotcha. Yes. And, uh, but he also plays Commodore Norrington in the Pirates of the Caribbean Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movies that guy. too. As, uh, as Lancelot, essentially. So, already two pretty big, big names. Um,
1: but he's only in it for like 10 minutes.
0: But then, Mark Hamill.
1: Yeah, that was...
0: <laughs> apparently, and this is wild, apparently in the comic book the character is just called Mark Hamill.
1: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> so it's just Mark Hamill. That's
1: wild. <laughs> well, it it throws you for a second because he doesn't usually look like that and you're like, well, who, who he is does, this actor? Is He it does here?
0: usually look like that now. Like Now,
1: the, but it
0: at when, first you're like... You're- this is, this came out before The Force Awakens, so like, yeah. w- Mark Hamill hadn't necessarily been acting as himself. He'd been vo- doing a lot of voice acting. Uh-huh. He wasn't necessarily in the public light as much right. anymore. Um, and then, you got Samuel L. Jackson shows up. <laughs> and then immediately after that, Mark Strong and Michael Kane.
1: I'm surprised you didn't put Some... Michael Caine before all these Well, I'm people. going in
0: the chronological order that they showed up in in the movie.
1: <laughs> I cannot believe you can just spout off stuff like that. Uh, it's... Someone fact check him.
0: I, I'm correct. If anything, I I should have said... Uh, mm. I should have said... The Kong. girl
1: with the blades for feet.
0: Well, okay. I'm talking about the big names. This is the... But this is the first... She's a big name now. Sophia Botea, Absolutely. Algerian French actress, super cool, really good at movement in particular, mm-hmm. I think. And she shows up, well, she kills Commodore Norrington, <laughs> that's, yeah. and that's how she's introduced. and th- And we get the first ridiculous piece of violence in the movie, which is where she uses her prosthetic foot to slice him in half, but not the way that you traditionally slice someone in half.
1: Oh, yes, the traditional half-slicing, of course. You, typically
0: when you slice someone in half in a movie...
1: Go for the guts.
0: Yeah, you, you cut them across at the waist, they fall down the vent, and then, like, what? you watch them fall. The vent? And then,
1: what are you talking two decades about?
0: later, he shows up in an animated series with prosthetic legs uh, and decides that he wants to get revenge on you.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about Darth
0: Maul, baby.
1: That's not a movie, baby. It
0: is a movie. <laughs> nope. He was in... The Phantom, are we calling the Phantom Menace not a movie? It's not a movie.
1: Not a movie. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Doesn't exist.
0: So, Sophia Butea slices him down the middle from, and forgive me for saying this, toe to tip. Technically,
1: could have used a. Technically, tip to. to toe. You didn't have. It was not toe. It was just a <laughs> head to groin. Really, if mm. you want to go technical. And the dude
0: like slides to. It's
1: incredible. It's so. Such a good idea.
0: Funnily animated. Some of this, some of the uh, stuff, could have come across as uncanny, but because the movie is that no, you ridiculous. absolutely buy
1: into it, yeah. which is good. <laughs> it sets it up from the start of being like this ridiculous, be- but also trying to be serious then, about the ridiculousness. Mm-hmm.
0: And then you have Samuel L. Jackson's villain who's like, yes, I'm going to kill probably 90% of the Earth's population. Also, I abhor violence and can't look at it without throwing up.
1: In the name of saving the planet,
0: though. In the name of saving the planet. Because he believes... He believes that we are the virus.
1: Why? Why? Nature is
0: returning. We are the virus.
1: But do you have the antibodies?
0: <laughs> this is, this is, we've had a kind of a weekend. I've got a crazy week coming up. We're drinking a 7.6 IPA. This episode's off the rails already, I think. Is it? A little bit. We're, we're goofy. We got a lot of goofy, goofy. energy today. got the goofs. This Because it's a goofy, oh God.
1: It's not a goofy movie. That's a different movie. <laughs> That's a
0: different movie. But this movie certainly has some goofs. Like, I think if you had to classify this movie as a genre, you would absolutely call it an action comedy. Yeah. Or or comedy action, maybe. Because I think action is the more predominant. <laughs> it's it's,
1: no, a, it's
0: that's a, bad. It's an action <laughs> movie, it's a spy movie, it's a coming of age movie, yeah. and it's a comedy movie.
1: Honestly, first I'd probably build it as a comedy. Because even though there is action, the main feature is like
0: even when how,
1: they're, how much of a
0: parody it is. Even when they're not explicitly making jokes, they're still making jokes. Yeah. You know? yeah. Or or rather, even when they're explicitly saying this is not a joke, they're making But it making
1: differs a from a comedy in that you genuinely feel like they're in danger a lot. Because oh. in a comedy, sometimes someone gets like messed up, but it's usually at the end, it's usually not more than like one character.
0: Or it's tragic because actually it's a tragedy. But I think this... I would say it's an action movie with jokes, frankly, because I think sure. it's. No, because, well, like you said, there is still a clear and present danger to everybody. There are real consequences, and they are still trying to save the world. But it's. It's. Can't stand on its own without the previous stuff that it's referencing. You're yeah, right. It is a parody in that way. And it still works, you know? Mm hmm. It, I think you could show somebody this movie and they would enjoy it even if they had no idea what the hell they were
1: oh yeah watching. because I would say I wasn't like
0: it's still a incredibly you know?
1: well versed in spy movies like I'd seen some but also I think the biggest thing I was probably thinking of is like um what's the mr bean movie
0: oh my god' Right. <laughs> Johnny English. Johnny
1: English. That's probably the.
0: Can you believe Daniel Kaluuya was in the sequel to that?
1: There's a sequel to that.
0: We tried watching it. It was Daniel Kaluuya and Jillian Anderson were in it. We couldn't get through the first like forty five minutes. It was bad. We won't talk about that. It's um. I think this movie relies heavily on its cast, though.
1: I think if they
0: didn't have the right actors, um, this would not have
1: worked. Probably one of maybe the first of Terran Edgerton's first.
0: This is his second movie.
1: What's the first one? I
0: I don't remember, but I, I But he's pretty new. It was the same year. Fresh so like boy. this was this was basically his breakout. Yeah. He he doesn't get any of the roles he's gotten since he doesn't get Elton John without this movie. No. For sure.
1: And he did incredible.
0: Yeah. He you believe everything that he said. He's the emotional heart of the movie. Yeah. Because he is the the he's the working class kid who's being introduced into this world of elites like my fair lady.
1: Oh my god, <laughs> that's he, so funny! They keep referencing they're
0: they like keep... trading places, Nikita LaFemme <laughs> and it's like, oh, like my fair lady. But they
1: literally say like my fair lady like twice in the movie.
0: <laughs> but it's interesting because it kind of demonstrates like he's not in the same mindset as everyone else is. So like, so it's even like. There's a there's a device they use in the movie like to train them they have them train puppies they have them pick a puppy and adopt it and train it and he names his puppy J B and there's a later conversation it show that I think shows the differences in exposure that he has mm-hmm. to the older generation when they the ask generation because Michael Caine asks is he James Bond Jason Bourne who were you know James Bond the classic gentleman spy or James Bourne the technical expert it's like no Jack Bauer. <laughs> And it's and Jack Bauer is the anti-terrorist like brutal interrogator kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and he, and he's American too. Jason Bourne's American, sure, but but the movie was by a British director. I think there's, I just think there's layers to it where like he
1: does feel very no uh... he does feel very American in some aspects. Well, mm, he's or a, he's like a the average, the average like
0: he's he's underdog. More, he's more exposed, I think. To the real world. Yeah. Than to like the, the the lower class world, I think. Right. Than these upper class sons of rich men and snobs. Right. You know? Which
1: how... That's like when they're in school and they do the first prank on them. I don't know what they're called. Test. Yeah. <laughs> and they fill the room with water. All the prep school kids go and try to make... A, um.
0: They- Loose snorkel. snorkels, as they oh, call
1: I'm like, them. who even knows about a loose snorkel? So clearly they've been training for this already. And then, and then second of all, is the only person who tries to, like, get out of there at all. Yeah. And even though they, like, uh, what's his face? You say Michael Smart?
0: M- Michael Kane. Michael- Mark, no. Mark Strong. Mark Strong. There
1: you go. Mark Strong says, like, oh, you're not doing teamwork. I'm like, he's trying to save everyone and yeah. no one tried to help him. And I don't think that would have done any good.
0: And his skill set from being, well, it's like the... Like, the, the the snobby kid makes the joke, oh, I'm sure you've seen One Way Glass before. But but at the same time, if he hadn't, then he wouldn't have been able to break it out. Right. It's like, so it's... You see, because even beyond the conflict of can't actually make it, is this conflict you have between Colin Firth's character and Michael Caine's character. Mm-hmm. Which is Colin Firth who thinks there is more to the world than just the stiff upper lip, than just the upper class. We need to modernize. If we're going to face modern threats, mm-hmm. we need to bring in People who have modern experiences, not just Oxbridge or. Which is like why, that.
1: spoiler alert, uh, he, Michael Caine ends up being a villain and succumbing to Samuel Jackson's plan.
0: Exactly. Samuel L. Jackson's bonkers plan.
1: <laughs> it's pretty great, though.
0: That, would, that if you could get a SIM card to do that, would work. He's, his entire concept is that he's giving out free SIM cards, so free internet, free phone service for everyone.
1: It's genius! Everyone would take that bait,
0: and he uses it to send out a signal that turns up aggression levels (laughs) and gets gets rid of inhibitors and basically turns it into caveman brain, which the test of which results in the freebird sequence at the Kentucky church. The church had
1: to say not not actually Kentucky. Clearly
0: not Kentucky. From the I think maybe I bought it when I first watched the movie. I was like, oh, maybe this could be Kentucky because I'm like, well, this looks like a little country church.
1: Well, it's a very but they don't do a lot of scenes on the outside. So you don't yeah, think about it that it's much. It's a very
0: interior movie. But then when you see across the street from the church the houses that aren't even like a yard separated. And by a yard, I don't mean like the the land space. I mean three feet.
1: <laughs> and the only place you see that in America is big cities. And that clearly was not, not a big rural city.
0: Kentucky, you no. know? <laughs> and I think this movie is very aware of... How that class dif- difference is an advantage for Eggsy and a disadvantage. I mean, you have his entire "silver s- silver spoons up their asses" speech that he gives <laughs> to the pub, which is great, and that he does in this really great London accent too. <laughs> I think hearing Chair and accent change throughout the movie. Yes, abso-
1: I liked that.
0: Absolutely reflecting My Fair Lady. Too. Yes. <laughs> um, it's. It's a great performance from him. And I think you believe him in both roles. Mm -hmm. You believe that, oh, this is how he grew up and this is what he's been exposed to. And you believe that he's able to learn those skills pretty quickly. But that contributes to, I think, this movie's core flaw. What's that? Which uh, we can get into.
1: After the concession stand?
0: After we go to the concession stand. Hey, Alex, you love Harry Potter, right? Yeah! Wanna listen to a new Harry Potter podcast? No. Oh.
1: But, Sorted is not a Harry Potter podcast, but instead a podcast about everything else viewed through the lens of Harry Potter.
0: Cool. What does that mean?
1: It means we're gonna sort things!
0: Ash Ketchum's a Slytherin!
1: Tracks a Gryffindor!
0: Your dog is a Hufflepuff!
1: And all Ravenclaws are robots!
0: Come check out Sorted, not a Harry Potter podcast.
1: On the Pocket Podcast Network!
0: Let's talk about this movie's biggest flaw. Matt Vaughn has a hard-on for Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan.
1: Yeah, that was a weird name drop
0: that... The the name drop the, speaks volumes because this movie is neoliberal <laughs> propaganda.
1: Oh, keep going.
0: Okay, so Margaret Vaughn, Margaret Thatcher, and Ronald Reagan <laughs> were recognized as the zenith of the new movement that really took over politics starting in the I'm late s- 70s and early 80s called neoliberalism. Neoliberalism is a political philosophy that advocated for an abandonment of government intervention and instead letting the free market dictate the way that the world Gee, worked. Gee,
1: I wonder how that turned
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> and arguably every single U.S. president since then has, has been, been. A neoliberal. Yep including Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Let's explain how that relates to this movie. So he talks about having saved Margaret Thatcher from assassination. They use the uh, recycled thing from Ronald Reagan Star Wars. Those are the explicit references. But the big thing that they say is that Kingsman was founded because after the First World War, they found that the governments weren't doing enough to help the world or, co- or were too ineffective because of the (sighs) bloated bureaucracy they are arguing that instead a private security service that doesn't answer to any government could in fact be able to make the decisions that the governments can't and run the world hey hey who's 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 running the security service who's who's running the security service is it is it the the rich white men
1: Mm -hmm. Is it the
0: rich white men who have benefited from the same systems that put those governments in power who are that now, instead of uh, maybe necessarily running the world so that it suits everybody, perhaps guiding the world along to their own preferred goals for no other reason than the fact that they have the money to do it? All I'm saying is that Elon Musk is a Kingsman. That's...
1: Wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> I love this movie. I love it a lot. It does not hold up politically. Oh my god. This this movie is basically advocating like hmm, you know who should have the ability to do violence rather than the state? The rich people. And that's something that you saw happening even more in the second movie and I think that was Oof. really that was part of its downfall that
1: was bad
0: it's like it was so bad but at the same time this movie is like confused because it's it's, because it's saying like hmm it's bad when the black rich guy decides that he's the one who wants to massacre everybody the black rich guy who is by the way the only named black character in the movie
1: Mm -hmm. but there's another one
0: yeah, one of Eggsy's pub friends is a black guy. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But I don't think they ever actually say his name and he doesn't do anything to move the plot forward. No. Other than serve as Eggsy's friend who doesn't want to beat mm-hmm. him up. It's
1: And then there's what, three women in the movie?
0: Yeah. Total? Three women total. There's
1: Roxy, his mom, and then Oh
0: four. Four, four? women. Because The
1: Blades for Feet. The Blades for Feet. The so there's
0: and then and then the woman who dies in the uh, test who is revealed to not have not oh, actually
1: Oh, like, I forgot about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's actually an agent, right? Yeah. Or they agent? worked
0: for her, yeah, they were, them or something. Mm-hmm, I don't know. Exactly. And so, and the only one, like, viable woman candidate. Like, this is... Right, what? This <laughs> is such... This is a movie coming from the perspective of... And I don't know if he maybe even thinks of himself. So, he's what we would in America call a fiscal conservative... Someone who believes in you know someone picking themselves up, up by their bootstraps and doing their own thing and getting all the way to there what the world at large would call a liberal essentially someone who believes that with hard work we can get things done and ascend beyond our station and do whatever we want to do when the reality just does not prove that
1: he's yeah, making an argument a debt to do that. it's
0: like it's like he's making an, he's making an argument that like the people at the top should make way for people at the bottom because they can prove their merit too. But I think the point that Eggsy makes is like, because of my circumstances, I was unable to prove my merit. Mm -hmm. And rather than saying, well, you know what? We should give everybody a chance to prove their merit on equal footing. He says the select few who have already kind of proved their merit should just come on up here. It's like, it's so technocratic. It's so merit or merit, such a meritocracy like based movie when Meritocracies don't work, you know. Uh, like this movie is Buckwild. The fight scenes are fun. The pomp, the the music selection is great. Like the pomp and circumstances, everybody's head is blowing up. Lots of fun. <laughs> Lots <laughs> of fun.
1: That is perhaps the most ridiculous part of this movie, <laughs> where everyone starts blowing up because yeah, of because of
0: the chips that were yeah. in their head. And it's it's ridiculous and it's comic booky, but it's like the movie is trying to say that Eggsy's. The the reason that Eggsy is where he is is not because of the circumstances that have surround him. Colin Firth literally makes the argument: your choices are the reason you're still here. Why did you drop out of the Marines? Why didn't you keep going with your with your gym classes? Why did you start running drugs, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. And like the argument that Eggsy makes is like, that's what I was surrounded by. It's like hand waved away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like <clears throat> it's like it's so close to understanding. The realities of differences in economic power.
1: Yeah, but they never like, go but, any but further just, with Eggsy. They just kinda go, Oh, mm-hmm. you're a Kingsman now.
0: Like It's like it's it's like you think almost, hey, is Colin could Colin Firth maybe be the socialist guy that we need? But no, he's just the guy who's a different kind of liberal. He's a liberal versus the old school aristocratic conservative. Yeah. He's like he's the guy who's like, people should prove their merit based on money that they're able to accumulate rather than who they're related to. Which is still, at its core, an inherently, I mean, in American terms, conservative argument, and in world at large terms, liberal argument. And you saw the same kind of stuff happening in X-Men First Class, I think. Where he's like, (laughs) we can't work with the government. Which I get is in the spirit of the comics. Like, he makes this argument that, in First Class, Rose Byrne's character is shackled by the bureaucracy of the government from being able to actually help the X-Men in any concrete way, and it's making the same argument that this movie makes, that the government is slow and plagued by bureaucracy and ineffective. Now, I would argue that neither the government nor a private spy agency should be able to wield violence, but this is an action movie. So, it's kind of at the core, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you kind of have to have that.
0: This is, And this is the problem with action movies, is they look like fun romps a lot of the time. (laughs) They look, they they, and they are. They're, they're popcorn they fuel. But at the same time, they can be hiding some pretty sinister messaging underneath. Much like, but I, don't, the soap opera Jane the Virgin.
1: Well, it's also like, I don't even know if that messaging is like what they were focusing on trying to convey, but they're just so convoluted that that's what ends up like coming through. And,
0: and like we, and like I've talked about before, it doesn't necessarily matter what they were trying to convey you still can get that message from the movie. Yeah. The The intent doesn't necessarily matter. Like, I know people have problems with the author is dead, but I think the intent of the author doesn't necessarily matter in this kind of thing. Like, because that's the message that I still get from the movie. Yeah. Um, And it's like, oh, once you get to the top, you should help other people reach, reach the top too. But, like, why can't everyone have a chance to get to the top? You know? I think this movie is making the argument that everyone should have a chance, but they should be forced to prove themselves. Only the exceptional can make it. And I think that kind of exceptionalism is potentially dangerous.
1: Well, and only if you're a poor white guy. Mm-hmm. Because no other candidates were...
0: Hey, you know what there are a lot of yes. in Britain? <laughs> black people. Black
1: people, yeah.
0: And Indian people. Mm-hmm. And... Mm. People who were in former colonies. Hey, you know what we don't see much of in this movie, if any? People who were in former colonies. People who have been subjected to the white supremacist yeah. empire. Of
1: Britain. I didn't see any people that looked like Indian or Pakistani.
0: Yeah, no all people. It's, it's a movie that, in its hearkening back for those old British spy movies... Recreated the Britain that was portrayed in those movies, I think.
1: And because the Kingsmen were trying, they were trying to like make a safe like UK or whatever, England or whatever, it basically just kind of, they're trying to bring back like the old, like before mm-hmm. the colonies, like and whitewashed.
0: That's shown by their obsession with genteelness. Uh huh. With, uh-huh. The- with the perfect suits, with the shoes, with the manas that maketh man. Like it's an effective scene. But at the same time, he's saying, Listen, if you can ape these traditions, then guess what? You can be joined in. But why should we want to ape those traditions? I love a suit. I think suits look great. (laughs) You shouldn't judge a person based on the suit that they're wearing. But you do. Yeah. And I think the mistake that this movie makes is arguing that maybe we should be judging people by the suits they're wearing. It's... It's like, well, it tries to not make that argument. It tries to subvert it. But then, what's the reward that Eggsy gets? The perfectly tailored suit. That symbolizes his assimilation. It's a movie arguing not for cultural individuality, but assimilation. And that is what destroys the uniqueness of culture. <sighs> anyway, that's my take well, on Well, that's
1: that. great. Glad we ended on such a positive note. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: So, are you ready to rate this movie?
1: Well, I guess you already covered Fashion Corner, right? Everyone's wearing fancy suits.
0: Yeah. Roxy's
1: outfits were very good. Her
0: her plaids and tweeds. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Like, they
1: modified her suits to be very, like... Like, not heavily femme, but, like, if they were pro... Like, I don't know, they,
0: like... I would argue her suits still ended up pretty, like... it's a good
1: match between masculine and it feminine. It was
0: androgynous. I yeah. Think. She was androgynous in a very... The dog, we didn't talk way. about
1: the other dogs. Oh,
0: yeah. Very good JB, dogs. JB, the pugs. JB was a pug. There was a German Shepherd. It's a, and Roxy it's had a poodle. It's a
1: bulldog, isn't it?
0: It's a bulldog, isn't it? <laughs> That's the thing. As sinister as this movie may be, it's still going to make me laugh every time. Which is... What's so sinister about that kind of... Thing. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I, I've crawled into a dark hole over here.
1: What I also do- didn't like about um, the whole dog thing is at the end, he and Roxy are like tasked with... Either, sh- like, like try- they're like, you have to shoot your dog to become a kingsman. Which, like, what what is that supposed to test? Why is... It's
0: supposed to test your loyalty and willingness but to they, obey orders, they or... They already
1: did that with the train tracks, though. Or,
0: your critical thinking skills. Because the argument that Colin Firth made was, how didn't you realize that there was a blank in the gun? When... Fr- and frankly, the evidence is laid out pretty clearly when they, when they realize, oh, wait, all of them did have a parachute after that exercise. Yeah, yeah. I think the training montage, very good.
1: But how can but, you chance that? Like, I'm sure even even if he thought the highest chance was a blank, would you really chance killing your dog just to be a
0: Kingsman? You see, I also think it's a kind of Jedi sort of thing, though. You know?
1: Like, if it's Like, anything, you have to
0: be willing to sacrifice your attachments for the- What? The,
1: no, that should have been the test that you wouldn't kill your dog to be- I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a mess. The philosophy of the Kingsman is all over yeah, the place. Yeah, it's not. It, it's, it's not an you agency you want to aspire it. to be. <laughs> if anything, you should be working for a nonprofit. profit What? Or working as a street-level organizer.
1: What are you talking about?
0: I'm just saying there are better things to want to be than a spy. If you want to affect real positive change in the world.
1: Well, I don't think that's the point of... That. Yeah, okay. I know. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Yeah, yeah,
1: we can rate it now. We're talking about puppies and fashion.
0: Puppies and fashion.
1: Most important parts of the movie.
0: Okay. I mean... There are so many things we could rate this one out of. Like... Mm. Umbrellas. Sure. Okay. I give it 3 out of 5. Well, no. No, I give it 3.75 out of 5. You can't just... I, I, I I'm like between three and four um 3.5 3.5 that's my final offer it's oh it's just like because I still think it is a lot of fun I just also think that it has some pretty glaring problems with it It's a very well made and well put together film but the messaging is my biggest problem with it you know this is this is a 3.5. That I will absolutely watch, like, several more times before I get bored of it. You know? This is a movie that I, c- I can and will re-watch. Yeah. And this is why you should be critical of the content you consume. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay.
1: My rating?
0: Hmm. 3.72. <laughs> you are obsessed with going off of the fives and tw- two fives. I think you do this to torture (laughs) me. Yeah. (laughs) Well, speaking of English imperialism and colonialism... (laughs) What? I don't think the next episode is going to be us. I think the next episode is actually going to be part of the show swap, where we will have people recording from England.
1: It's kind of rude that you just Well, I was
0: going to use that as a transition to the next movie that is in our library... Right, you're gonna have more beef
1: with JD now. Oh,
0: listen, I have to be the scion of the American citizen, as compared to his scion of the UK. Oh gosh. The point that I'm making is the next movie in our order is The King's Speech, which is about (laughs) British imperialism (laughs) and colonialism, and also stars Colin Firth. It's a Firth double feature. What
1: bad luck! But I believe
0: that the next episode you're hearing will be the show swap featuring JD and Alex of Sorted. Now if you're missing us when that episode comes out then you can definitely listen to us going on Sorted to sort one of our favorite TV shows The West Wing It's all It's all part of the Pocket Podcast Network show swap which is happening throughout August. You just changed you changed register, Not key but you started doing like the alto part instead of the main melody It's more
1: exciting. Come on
0: There are a lot of shows in the Pocket Podcast Network. You should listen to all of them. Our music is by The Organ Machines.
1: It's called Oil Waves.
0: It's off their first EP, Parallels. They have released two albums since then, multiple singles. Definitely all worth checking out on Spotify. I really enjoyed their latest album. I was listening to it last week while I worked. It's a very good mood. So, do you have anything else you want to say? No. No? (laughs) No. Alright.
1: Except to maybe go check out the other podcasts on our network, like Cult Classics, the new one.
0: Yes, definitely worth listening um, to
1: Steampunks.
0: hmm
1: Sorted as we said before. I really like the She-Ra episode.
0: hmm
1: Uh Ghoul Tank.
0: Yes. And there's one other uh, there's well there's three others. The the actual play podcast. Yeah. No Snow Dice. Dice and
1: Green the... Mountain Mysteries, that's mm-hmm. a good one.
0: And then there's there's one that you're missing. Mm-hmm. One that I think you No, might I think forgetting. I got them all. I you think got you got them all? all?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you can also listen to them the facts. That's my other podcast on the sure. network that I do with my friends Gabe and Chris. Sure. All right. But until next time, we're home viewing. I'm John.
1: And I'm Bethany. Don't, Don't buy
0: anymore TVs. It's never how you knew it. Nobody looked at it that way, but you. We are some drowning, but you were the one with the blood on your hands.